Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson. Seth? Hey, what's going on? Oh, hanging in there, hanging in there. Finishing up another week. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been one of those weeks. Monday was, I, I was telling you about it a little bit, like all kinds of things were kind of coming in the window, like one thing after another, just like changing the schedule for the week. And by the end of the day, it was all sorted out, but I felt like I had already been through the week. So everything since then has been um, especially arduous. Yes, I can imagine. Well, I'm gearing up. Next week is spring. Well, it's kind of like winter break, winter spring break. We have two breaks here uh, at the public schools in New England, one in February, one in April. And so my youngest daughter's off next week, and she and my husband are going to go down to visit the in-laws down in Florida. So they're getting some sun, which is nice for them. Good dose of warm weather. I guess it's beautiful down there right now. And you're not going? No, I'm not going to go. They're, they're actually, their trip is shorter than normal anyway they're coming back on thursday leaving saturday so it'll be a quick turnaround for them uh and uh i was gonna go at the time we bought the plane tickets it was just gonna be the two of them and i said oh maybe i'll just do like a hail mary you know closer to the date but i looked around for tickets they're astronomical and i have things to do so you know so it goes. Yeah. I'll go next year. I'll go next year in the fall. We usually get down there at least once a year and sometimes twice. Nice. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be spring here soon, although it's still snowy. <laughs> yeah, we don't have spring anywhere in sight. At least the sun's <laughs> out today. So. Yeah, I know. Kind of depressing, but it is going to be March next week. So um, I, at least, even though that doesn't mean that the weather's going to get nicer, it just psychologically makes it feels a little bit better for me. That's true. That is true. So last time we went through some of my research on Internet of Things, and this time you've got some new research uh, that's come out that is uh, research that we've done in the past. We've done kind of a series on this topic around small and medium businesses and the way they use technology, the way they purchase technology. And I always think that uh, it's a it's an interesting study, you know, because I, I've done I've done it in the past. I think you've done it the past couple of iterations and maybe I had it before you uh, jumped into it. But sort of yeah, the I first think Tim, I think Tim's had it too. So it's been one of those uh, Yeah, we just keep passing it around. Passed we've passed around, yep. But I feel like the first thing that I always run into when when I'm thinking about that report or, or writing the report is the number of small businesses that there are. And I think everyone knows that most of the small businesses or most of the businesses in the U.S. or around the globe are small businesses. But it's really kind of awe-inspiring to think that 99.7% of the businesses in the U.S. are businesses with less than 500 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of these major businesses are the ones that dominate the headlines and and set a lot of the the trends and the landscape. But all of these SMBs are driving so much economic activity. You know, and obviously. It's really hard to serve them, but this is why you see some of the big vendors having their own, you know, SMB channels or marketing practices or whatever it is. Uh, and so I think it's fascinating to look at their behaviors uh, because that's what's really happening out there as opposed to the cutting edge, you know, theoretical stuff that you might see coming from the big firms or the ones that are making the headlines. 
Yeah, I mean, this is who we work for. Think of it that way. You know, um, I mean, we at CompTIA, we're a small business by definition. Um, I mean, we're a nonprofit, but technically speaking, you know, number of employees, we fall into that category. And that's who most people work for, as you said. Um, and then most of these larger vendors and companies that are on the, you know, the stock exchange, you know, all their suppliers and partners and, and downstream, many of those companies that, that are part of their whole network are all small companies as well. Um, so it's really, you know, it's really the, the, the linchpin of our economy. Um, and many of the companies that these global firms work with overseas are all small companies as well. Um, so they really represent a microcosm of, of what's going on in the, in the larger economy. And what we found from the study, and, and I will point out from this study, we actually took it down even a notch this year in terms of how we defined um, small businesses. And we defined them as companies with fewer than 300 employees. So it was anywhere from 1 to 249 um, is what we captured uh, in the sample for this for this study, if you look at how uh, the federal government defines it, Small Business Administration, or some of the other research firms that are out there, that is that that figure that you cited. It would be um, on below 500 employees. Um, and then, but you know, e either way, we're talking about companies that are that are much smaller in scope and size than what we generally talk about when we read the headlines every day. Um, but despite the fact that they're smaller in nature, many of the same um, issues needs, uh, trends, et cetera, apply to these companies. And that's no different with respect to technology, which is what we tried to examine here is some of the trends around how you're using technology, uh, what your thoughts are about some of the advancements in technology, what you're spending, what your budget looks like, um, and how, um, you know, how you know, how adept you are, I guess, would be some of what we're trying to get a sense of whether or not small companies are just as good at using technology as larger companies. And, uh, you know, f really, for the most part, you could say that technology is just as important for a lot of these smaller firms. Uh, they may not be using it at scale or they may not be using it um, in terms of the most cutting edge. Um, but they are they are certainly not in the dark when it comes to what some of the advancements are on the horizon. A lot of small companies are are dabbling and sampling with some of the emerging techs that we, you and I, talk about so much and have done many studies on. So, you know, and, and as far as budgeting and, and spending goes, uh, I looked from, you know, this study to years past, and it's remained pretty solid. Some companies are increasing their technology spending. So it's certainly an area of priority for a lot of these small businesses. And as we talk about a lot in, in our conversations on Volley and, and just in our studies, every company today is really a technology company. Um, so it's not just the domain of the IT industry or the largest firms out there. If you're a small firm, you're going to be just as dependent on the use of the cloud, the use of the Internet period, um, you know, the use of the of devices that are out there that are modernized. And all of the things that we talk about uh, in relation to large firms really apply downstream. Yeah, I, I like the way that you start the study by talking about uh, what are the business priorities of these companies, because we can talk about all of the technology and the way they use it and how good they are and which partners they have. But it, it has to start with what their business priorities are. And, and to me, actually, the things that jumped out were the two things on the bottom of the list. Uh, the, the things that they seem the least concerned about are defending against new competitive threats and managing regulatory complexity. 
Uh, and I, I think that you kind of described it, that we're, we're in this new world with small businesses where they they are becoming more technology adept, but it also requires a new approach to technology and a new way of thinking about their business. So they might not have had to worry about competitive threats as much before because they were in a geographic area and they could serve that area. And now with internet services and, and the spread of technology, there are new competitive threats out there. And obviously the regulatory environment is encroaching more and more on digital business. And if you don't know exactly what you're doing in that space, it can be really impactful for you. So I, I feel like it starts with the business priorities. And obviously there are the ones at the top about becoming more efficient um, and trying to be more innovative. But I think that part of the approach has to start with the things that they didn't used to be concerned about that are probably becoming a bigger priority. Oh, I totally agree. I think those things are going to be, if they are if they don't start paying attention to them, they're going to be the big problems for them or the wake-up calls that happen in a year or two from now as they realize, as you said, that it's not just the competitor down the street they have to worry about. They know Joe's IT shop down the road or they know the dental firm down the road or they know what, you name it. Um, it's going to be threats that come from uh, from outside their geographic region because, as you know, we're all competing on sort of this um, on, in a cloud environment now where it, it doesn't necessarily matter uh, where somebody is located. And, again, with regulatory complexity and, and, and compliance issues, I do think that that's something that larger companies definitely have a bigger handle on only because they, they're pressed about it. Uh, and there are requirements that are screaming in their heads, and they may have legal people that they work with, and they've got accounting firms that are telling them this and that. Um, small companies will eventually realize this, and I think you're right that we'll see um, the level of importance of those items that are now down at the bottom of the list will rise, and there could be a little bit of a crisis around them uh, for a short time as small companies realize they need to pay attention uh, to those, to those things. But you're right. I think all of this starts with business priorities and then it's how you apply technology to try to help you achieve, um, the goals that you have within your business. And, uh, and that's where, um, that's where the two meet. So if, you know, becoming more efficient is your top priority. Okay. That's, that's a worthwhile goal for all companies. Um, how you can apply the particular technology tools that you either have in place today or the ones that you're looking at, or you may be working with an outside provider who is going to provide you and then being able to take those tools and put them into your business or enhance them, the ones that you already have within your business uh, to achieve that goal. And for small companies, I think the biggest challenge then is that, and this is particularly among companies at the smaller end of the scale, is that they, unlike larger companies, do not in many cases have an IT department in-house. Or if they do, it's you know the one guy or woman who happens to be pretty good with technology who has a different job, but you can call upon to go and help you with things. And it's, so it's that lack of resources, I think, is the biggest sticking point for mapping the really cool technology tools that are out there today with the business priorities that we talk about here. It's how do you get from point A to point B without having necessarily the right skill set in-house to be able to do that. And I think that's the biggest challenge um, and the cost that goes around that. Right, right. Yeah, when when we start talking about the way that they're using technology today and the the gaps that they might have in, in technology, you know, you're spot on with talking about they're so resource constrained. Uh, and, and for most of these companies, 
they they have not been a technology company up to this point that you know technology hasn't been one thing that they want to be a core competency it's maybe just been sort of the 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 underlying plumbing of the business or whatever and and now it's becoming you know more and more of that and and so they they're they're resource constrained they're probably coming from sort of a, a tradition of of not having a lot of deep expertise and you know the data that you have when they look at what technology areas need the most work um it's it's stuff kind of before you get to the cutting edge and i think we're going to talk about that cutting edge a little bit more in emerging tech but the things on the top of the list of of where they need the most work is integrating technology together using their data effectively and cybersecurity and I mean, those are kind of the table stakes, right? Those are sort of the basic building blocks that I think a lot of companies are looking and saying, we have a gap between where we are today and where we really should be for like modern digital business um, and, and really where we need to be before we would move into new types of platforms or new models of computing. Um, and, and we've seen this in a lot of our research before, like especially the stuff around data, that if, if they're wanting to move into more advanced analytics or larger data sets, in most cases, they haven't been effectively managing their data up to this point, And so they kind of have to start there first. And so it's really interesting to see that as they're wanting to be more technical, some of their biggest gaps are in uh, relatively basic areas. Yeah, I think sometimes we get ahead of ourselves because we're excited about emerging technology and cool cutting edge stuff. And and I think that's the direction, obviously, that we need to go. But I do think we get ahead of ourselves. And and this study, the data from this study bear that out. Um, One of the the key takeaways I have is that hardware, which we all talk about, like, you know, in a sad, pathetic way sometimes that it's the death knell of hardware. Hardware is still a major infrastructure in general is a major priority for these SMB buyers. And when I talk about it, it's not cutting edge hardware. We're talking about just basic devices for workstations, for their, you know, for their employees, the things that they have to use to work with. And these are still the largest spending area for SMBs based on our study is going to be on core infrastructure. You know, and then that's divided among, you know, um, all the devices that I talked about, but also things like storage and security. But you know, so we can't ignore the fact that even though um, we talk a lot about what's on the horizon, that a lot of these companies are still just getting their basic infrastructure in place. Um, and like we talked about earlier, they may be resource constrained. So hardware might be a priority for them because they haven't actually bought new hardware in five years. You know, it could be longer than your typical upgrade process for a lot of these smaller companies. So I think it's important to keep one foot in the um, in reality in terms of what these companies really need to just have a basic infrastructure in place and then and then look ahead to some of the emerging tools. And I, one stat sticks out at me with respect to emerging tools and resource constraint. And we can see um, a direct correlation here is we asked about tech budgets uh, on this study. And among the respondents who said that their tech budget was going to go down, it would be lower in the year or two ahead. At, at least that's what they anticipated. That group of respondents um, universally panned emerging technology. They said that that was that they considered that more of a negative in their book. A because of the cost of entry, they thought it was too expensive, and B because they thought it could be a threat to job security in terms of automation and things like that. So there's a direct correlation there between how much a company in this category 
uh, has for a tech budget and what their general attitude is about some of these more advanced tools. And I found that very interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't know that you cover it specifically in this one, but one thing that we tend to talk about that's kind of a common thread through a lot of our research is that the you know the the common way of thinking about IT budgeting is that IT is a cost center and so you're trying to get the same amount of IT for lower and lower cost as the years go on or you're trying to keep your budget flat and you're hoping to increase your IT capacity and the the reality of every company becoming a tech company probably means that for one you know IT is going to be strategic and so it's not going to be a cost center anymore and you're probably going to have to look at the ROI differently but you're probably going to end up net spending more on technology whether that's within the IT department or that budgeting gets spread into business units the net spend on technology is probably going to be more if it's a really strategic driver for your business goals and you know again like we've mentioned a few times already i think for these smaller businesses that's a really uh, challenging hill to be looking up and, and figuring out how you're going to climb it uh, when you, you might have really tight budgets for operations. Yeah, true. I, I agree with that, and I think that's going to be, as I said, the biggest challenge is there's going to be more technology consumed, and yet how do we, um, how do we afford it? Um, but I also think one of the good things to put some positive spin on this is that the way that technology has evolved today with the internet and cloud, it allows small companies to look a lot bigger than they really are. And I think that's been one of the great advancements um, that we have all um, felt by um, some of the, you know, by the internet and the cloud. I know that sounds really basic, but the fact of the matter is it's enabled companies um, who might have three employees to look a lot bigger on paper and on the web than they actually are. And I think that's one of the good things, um, and some of those tools are not um, cost prohibitive for for smaller companies. But I also agree that uh, as more line of business type buyers and people that in in an organization are not tied to an IT department are also wanting to consume 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 technology, um, that that becomes another thing that a smaller company needs to figure out how to manage from a cost perspective. But I I, I do think that. Being able to look bigger than you are is something that a lot of small companies can take advantage of. Not all are doing so right now, but I think that's something that's if they take a look at cool tools like, um, you know, marketing types of tools, digital marketing, different types of web development that they can be doing um, and those sorts of things um, that can be a competitive differentiator. Mm hmm. So how does this work? You know, another way that companies might need to expand their thinking around technology is, you know, if they're going to be spending more, they might also be partnering a little bit more too. They might be using third parties a little bit more. And I, I thought it was interesting in the study. It looks like when it comes to running IT uh, and, and doing day-to-day -day IT operations and the services that go around with that, uh, SMBs are kind of likely to use uh, an outside firm to help with that. But when it comes to procurement, it doesn't seem like they're very likely at all. They, they either get it directly from the vendor or, or somewhere else. So there's a little bit of an asymmetry there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm wondering exactly, you know, how that will continue to play out. You know, what opportunity there might be for solution providers to kind of push the, the procurement a little bit more as a... As, uh, uh, an add-on to their services. I think we've always kind of thought about it the other way, that the services are an add-on to the technology that the, the company procures. 
but maybe you know in in this way if if they're coming for the services already maybe there's a way to kind of push procurement and and the 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 selling of the the technology um, before those services get started up yeah that's an interesting one because i'm not sure that the channel wants to go you know the service providers want to go in that direction a lot are pulling away from actually selling the actual product and and as you said uh, becoming much more focused on the aftermarket services that they can provide. Um, I think in this cloud world with a lot of these smaller companies, they're able to procure directly from vendors, which is where we see most of their procurement happening, simply because we might be talking about a cloud-based application, a SaaS app that they're just procuring online. They're self-provisioning, which is effectively buying direct from from the vendor. They may not be interacting with this vendor at all, and, the, and in most cases they probably are not. Or from a device perspective, hardware, they, they may be getting this all just ordered strictly through, um, you know, an online retailer or somebody of that or even a local retailer um, that they're able to get the hardware from. But what then you find with these smaller companies is they don't have anybody in-house that can implement a lot of these technologies and tie them to the other infrastructure that they have in place, make sure that these devices and applications are secure and then do any training that employees might need to be able to use these uh, these new tech tools. And that's where they pull in an outside provider um, because they lack one of their own. And I think you're right. If you're a savvy channel provider, if you're being pulled in after the fact to work on those things, you know, the implementation, deployment, integration, those sorts of things, well, what's to prevent you from saying, hey, next time you want to buy something um, – I actually have a good, you know, I, I have a good sense of what would fit best with your business so that you don't have to go through an exhaustive laundry list of 8,000 SaaS applications and try to pick in the dark what works for you. I could probably narrow it down to a small menu and then we can work together to figure out what's best for your business. That would be great. I think that that is a good business model for a lot of solution providers to, to think about when they're going into small companies. But I do think their foot in the door right now is coming in after the fact to help uh, a lot of these SMBs who've purchased whatever they're going to purchase, then figure out how to use it, manage it, untangle it, whatever has to happen. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You've you've kind of talked me out of it here. I I, I can imagine that providing the technology, um, you know, might might have you know some some benefit, but might not be worth it for a lot of these companies. It's it's maybe. To, to convince their clients that they should be the the funnel for that technology um, is going to be a little bit of an uphill battle. And what are they really going to get out of it? Instead, they can come in and do the integration that is the the top need of these SMBs when it comes to technology. Yeah, and also I think it's a function of the fact that I think SMBs buy haphazardly. So unlike getting a contract with a larger company that buys on a regular has a procurement department that buys on a regular upgrade type basis where that you can count on i think smbs are more opportunistic in how they purchase uh, whereas it's like oh something broke i have to go buy it that sort of um that sort of purchase habit as opposed to uh, a more regular um type of scheduled process that a larger company might go through, which is definitely something that if you're a solution provider, you'd like to get in on. It's predictable. You know that they're going to be purchasing at a regular basis, whereas SMB is more like putting out fires, I think, for a lot of those very small firms especially. Yeah. Well, any uh, any other takeaways that we didn't cover already? I think the only other thing I wanted to touch on, because it's something that we did do with this study, is to try to single out – we've talked about this on Bali before – is the phenomenon around 
uh, non-technology companies kind of getting into the technology business per se. Uh, so we're talking about firms like accounting firms or law firms that have over the years um, built up an expertise around a vertical application or some sort of solution that is in, endemic to their um to their industry, and they've become so good at it that they now are able to provide services around that type of solution or application to their end customers. And they, in effect, are becoming part of our broader technology ecosystem or channel. Um, you know, they don't announce this stuff, but it is going on. So one of the things we did with this study was to make sure that we collected among the sample that we had collected a portion of it that came directly from this professional services group. So these would be accounting firms, law firms, and and marketers, and get a sense of whether or not they are uh, they are either selling or influencing or working as technologists with their own end customers, and they are. And it's interesting, um, and I think that this is something that we're going to continue to see even outside of the professional services industry, but in other industries, as they become de facto experts around certain technologies. They're not going to be selling technology on a um, widespread, horizontal basis, but being deeply vertical around one particular ap application and being able to make a little bit of a cottage business around that for their own business. And and as you can see, a within the data, we found that companies who are doing this, you know, in effect, selling technology on the side or selling technology services is more like it. We found surprisingly that it's not so much that the accounting firm is reselling the accounting software. It's more that they are recommending it and then helping their customer um, figure out how best to integrate it or implement it or use it. Um, so it's more of a consulting role that they're playing than an actual transactional role with the software itself. Um, but many of these professional services firms who are in who are doing this said it is one of the faster growing parts of their business. Now, granted, you got to take that with a grain of salt. It's a tiny part of their business, so it's obviously not going to eclipse their core accounting or law firm, et cetera, and what they do is for for real, real. But it, it is a fast growing little side business, and I think that that's um, an interesting trend, and I think it's something we're going to see in other industries. For sure. Well, there's a lot uh, that we didn't completely unpack here. So if, if people want to check out the report, I believe it's live now, right, on the website? It is. It, is. it can be found on comtia.org. Um, and, um, yeah, please yeah. do. It's, there's there's more, to, more, to, more there, and uh, I know many of you out there are all working for small companies, so it pertains to, uh, to your environment. And uh, take a look. Yeah, we'll have the link in the show notes so people can – check it out. Uh, and I'm sure that some of this, these data points are going to uh, come into a lot of the other discussions that we have throughout the year. Definitely. All right, my oh, friend. Yes. So another, another week to a close. Uh, I will talk to you soon, I'm sure. And uh, have a good weekend. Yep. You too. All righty. Bye.